with Struggleberries. Welcome to Struggleberry Crunch, a great podcast to help you navigate your life and explore the flavor of your struggle. I'm your host, Tariana. If you're new here, welcome. And if you're returning, welcome back. Let's be real. Black history should be celebrated every day. But since we are coming into the last week of February, I want to do it justice by highlighting another great business. So on today's episode, we are going to talk about the struggle of Black-owned businesses while we get to know our special guests. Sound good? Okay. Today's guest is slowly taking over Omaha, Nebraska by satisfying our taste buds and being a powerful advocate in the Black community. Here to discuss generational wealth, X-Factor Barbecue, and the family hustle. To all my struggleberries out there, please welcome Malcolm Tiller. Hey, Malcolm. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm great. That is incredible. I'm so happy you're on today, and I'm really excited. Before we get into your business, where are you from, and what was your childhood like? I'm born and raised on Mahana, Nebraska. My childhood was family-oriented. You know, we weren't poor, but we weren't rich. We weren't really middle class, so it was just kind of a, the love was there. So it was all about family, being around each other, barbecues, get-togethers, things like that, so... I feel like I had one of the best childhoods ever. Did your family teach you about starting a business or about finances? No, not directly. Indirectly, they did. So, like, my mom always worked a job. I mean, she did sell Avon on the side for a couple of years. And my dad was basically on disability. But him and my uncle started, like, a lawn service on the side and uh, they did mint work on the side. So it was kind of like they had a business and I seen that. So I guess it was never really like directly saying, hey, do this or save your money to do this or do that. It was always kind of indirect. So in your family, since a lot of people had different things going on, was there any type of generational wealth that was passed down to you? And how important was generational wealth to you then versus now? Uh, then I knew nothing about it because nobody was passing anything down in my family for generational wealth. Most black families pass down just bills. Now it's very important to me. Having four children, I want to leave them with something that they can leave to their children. Their children can leave to their children. You see, it goes on and on and on. So I heard that you're the best chef, barbecuer, everything in your house and in your family. So what is the story behind your business as Factor Barbecue? So I just have to correct you. Mm-hmm. I'm not just the best in my family. I'm the best in the city. Ooh, so <laughs> please correct me. <laughs> no. Um, so I've always been like the kitchen, want to cook something. Like I was a kid that I see a recipe on the back of the cereal box and be like, mom, can I do this? You know, or see something on TV and try to make it. And my mom, like I said, she cooks, my dad cooks. So I've seen people cook all the time. So my uncle is the actual man at barbecuing in my family. Mm -hmm. So when he cooks, like he can start some ribs tomorrow and everybody's going over his house. Wow. And I always used to spend a night over his house. So it was in my head. I want to be as good as him. So let me get to the point where I'm going after him because he stepped up after my, my father passed away. So. 
He's like a father figure to me. I just continued to work at it, work at it, work at it, and perfected it to a point where now even him will say, you know, hey, if I can't do it, I'm going to have you do it. So when I look at that, that was kind of like my that certificate of graduation when he said mm-hmm. that to me. So mm-hmm. X Factor, it kind of got birthed out of that. Uh, my friends cooking for friends and family and people was like, man, your food is good enough to sell. So I started debuting X Factor at the Taste of North Omaha. And when we started selling out and selling out every time, I was like, yeah, I got to do this. So my name is Malcolm. I said, okay, what's a good name to call it? (laughs) So we came up with X Factor because there's no other factor after X and Malcolm X Factor. I love that. That is amazing. That that is a legend in the making right there. So what were some of the early struggles and challenges that you faced in your business? The hardest thing is not knowing where to start unless you know people that will mentor you. So you're looking to get started. Not just about going and grabbing an LLC and, you know, getting all that. Those things are important, but how do I get my business plan together? How do I let people know marketing? How do I start that? How do I get out here and get my food out here and get people knowing who I am? You know, just different things like that. So for me, Mm -hmm. the early struggles was just figuring all that out. Mm -hmm. And when you talked about like marketing and the business plan and everything, did you find it hard to get some funding for your business? I know a lot of Black-owned business owners really struggle with that. Right now, we are in that stage because we want to open a brick and mortar. One thing I will I will say this to anyone, just because you get a no, don't mean that it's the end. It means that you take that no and learn from it. Mm-hmm. So this particular bank might not accept it. Ask them why. And they, you know, if they tell you, why well, I didn't really like your business plan, then go back and revamp your business plan because it's like your resume. I think that's incredible advice because I think a lot of people don't know that no's are part of the process. The more no's you get, you're on your way to a bigger yes. But it's exactly. it's that learning opportunity in between that's going to really make your business stronger and mm-hmm. uh, hopefully not go bankrupt. You know what I mean? Oh, so, yeah, I believe that 100 percent. What attracted me to your business, too, was how you market. You give back to the community and you give full heartedly, like you give your everything and your cooking. And you have, when I, when I took home a plate of your food and I was eating it in the car and it didn't even have any barbecue sauce on it, but it was so delicious. I was like, well, dang, if this had barbecue sauce, I'd be done. (laughs) So what, what, that's what it means to me, but what makes your barbecue different from others? So you ever been to a barbecue and you'd be like, man, some of this food is good. And some of it ain't, some of the meat is good. Some of it ain't. I've always realized people get tired as they barbecue. Mm. You're doing a big barbecue. You're like, man, I'm tired. They keep bringing me meat. So they don't do the same love for the meat that they did when was first put on the grill. Mm-hmm. So I always prided myself in no matter, you wouldn't be able to tell the first slab of ribs I put on there or the 80th slab. So I'm going to give it the same love and attention all the way across. So I cook as if it was me going to get it. It was wow. me going to eat it. If I'm feeding you know, somebody with a million dollars or somebody with one dollar, they're going to get the same quality. So I took that and then I take recipes from my mom, from my uncle, me in my head, because I'm always thinking of something different, watching cooking shows on TV. And I'm like, oh, 
I'm going to add that with mine and make, bring it a twist to this and do this and do that. And it just developed, developed my own taste for it. And recipes came to place. So research and dedication and quality are significant to the process, you would say? I might take a whole day just to prep. So every step is a process even before I even light my grill. So when I light the smoker, I'm not saying, oh, my goodness, I don't have pepper. Mm-hmm. You know, and now my smoker is lit. The food is sitting there. I'm wasting charcoal. I'm wasting wood. I'm wasting everything. So it just comes together that way for me. That is so interesting. I'm really curious, like, why do you want to establish it here first? Why don't you just go straight to California or a tropical climate? Why start in Omaha? So I guess I put loyalty is very important to me. Mm-hmm. And I would rather start where I was raised, born, taught, and bring it here and then go and take it somewhere else because this is where everybody that supported me before I was nothing, mm-hmm. was anything, I was nothing. They were there. They trusted me. So I feel like giving them what I want to give first is loyal to my wow. city first. Then I'll give it to everybody else. Wow. How long have you been at it in this game? Um. X-Factor is only three years old, but I started barbecuing when I was 12. So I was actually the assistant. When I was 12, I was, the go get this. yeah, I was, go get this, go get me that, go pick this up, go do that. And then I learned by watching. If I watch you do something at maximum three times, I can repeat it. And what do you love most about barbecuing? A barbecue brings everybody together. It'd be fun. Like going to a barbecue is like you see cars being played. You see kids running around. You see your uncle on the grill talking stuff. You got the other people <laughs> walking around. It's just a, it's like a fun atmosphere. It's just like everybody's coming to just have a good time. So for me, it's like peace, like going out there to smoke. People in the neighborhood driving by, honking at me, pulling, stopping, saying, you know, hey, I smell you around the corner, man. What you got on there? You know, and it's always like, it's never no bad vibe to your barbecue. And then when people get to eat as the cook, because I always watch somebody when they take their first bite of my food. Really? Oh, yeah. Because that's going to tell me their real reaction. Because somebody can tell you it was good, but the look on their face when they bite it, they like, I really didn't expect that to be like that. Um, it's a lady that I've been knowing for years. I call her my mom and she was like, well, you know, I'm from East St. Louis. Ain't nobody up here barbecuing like they did there. And she literally called me at night and was like, you know what? I got to eat my words (laughs) You all these years. And I didn't know that you could cook like this. And she's now one of my biggest supporters. So for me, it's all about seeing that family seeing everybody eat and be happy that, man, I didn't waste my time coming here and getting this, or even if it's free or if they pay for it. Oh, that's kind of how I came up with the theme for my restaurant also. Mm-hmm. So my restaurant is all family oriented. So when you, you walk in, everybody's going to call you cousin when you walk in. You know, and I know you, it's all family. We're all family in here. It's like mm-hmm. you going to your uncle's house, Uncle Malcolm, to get some food at X Factor. And you can laugh, joke. It's like a family reunion when you come in. I Um, love that. That is so amazing. And that really establishes 
a great brand. You know, things people are going to remember and it's going to warm their heart to want more. But you're all mm-hmm. about that love at first bite. huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and speaking <laughs> speaking of family, uh, I had the opportunity to meet one of your amazing daughters and you have another daughter, right? Two daughters. Yes, I have two daughters and two sons. Oh, nice. But the daughter that I met was amazing. So I can't even imagine like how your other kids are. But she seemed like she was born to lead, raised to be a champion. So mm-hmm. how important is it for you to involve family in your business? It's very important. I tell my daughters, my sons live out of state, so they don't really get to work with me with the barbecue and like that, the business. But I tell them, I'm just an employee, all the owners of this. You got to jump in and know and be there when I'm doing. So I always try to bring them at events. I let them try to take the role at things because they have to be able to understand what's going on and know what's going on with it because you can go work for someone. But if that's not in your spirit, you're never going to be satisfied at a job. Amen. Some people are not meant to be entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. It's not their thing. So I advise you, if you are built for it, to find something that you're great at and do it. So I teach my daughters that, you know, if you love this, just come in. And they basically came in and just been like, love it too. They all just come together and just love it. So she wants to run it. I'm a letter. That's amazing. And what are the benefits of working with family? Well, somebody that know you already is trust there, being able to keep something passed down through generations. It's almost like everybody had a coworker. It ain't the same when you ain't at work. I hate when you go on vacation. I hate when you ain't there. So having that family member that you love, that you work with, like having that best friend that you're working with every day. So make work easier and make them laugh. Y'all have stories to tell. You have memories to go off of. So you just have to trust me, find the right family. And what do you want your family business to be known for? Like, what legacy do you want to leave behind? When they Google it and it pops up on Wikipedia, that's how you know you really made it. (laughs) What do you want it to say? The biggest thing growing up when I was growing up was the Wizard of Oz. And the Mm -hmm. one thing that everybody says when they watch the Wizard of Oz, the one thing that they can remember from that was there's no place like home. Oh, wow. They come to my business. I want them to remember that was just like at home. That's incredible, Malcolm. I really feel your heart and your soul as you are developing this business and really trying to grow the community within it. You know what I mean? Make them feel a part of it. Like there's no place like home, like you said. When will the brick and mortar be up? Oh, we're shooting for right now, August. I will be working my best to get it open by August. That's the goal. Once we secure the location, I'll start promoting the grand opening. We will definitely do it bigger than has ever been done. It's going to it's gonna look at like a family reunion when you come. It's going to be big. It's going to be something to remember and to come and we will have so much food. That's going to be a big challenge because once they taste that, you know, it's going to be coming back for more. They'll probably be in disguises to try to get some more. You know what I mean? (laughs) I understand. Before we get into our rapid fire questions and we close up, Malcolm, I just want to get some special tips from you for black owned business owners for 2022. Is that cool? That's cool. Awesome. My first question is, what tips do you have for young black entrepreneurs that want to start a business? Find a mentor. How do you find your niche? Like, I know that you've been, you cook and that's something that you love to do, but like, Mm -hmm. how do we find a niche within ourselves? Like, where do we look? Where do we go? Oh, for me, 
if I wasn't barbecuing for business, I'll be barbecuing for fun. Oh, um, really? Yes. I would do it just because anyway, I love it. You have to find something that you love. And if it's able to be monetized, that's your business. So if you love doing hair, you can monetize that by going to salon. Mm-hmm. You love writing, whatever you love to do, figure out is something in this world that can turn it into, it could be a business for you. Um, so that's one thing about having a good mentor is you can sit down and bounce ideas and they can say, well, you're really great at this. You know, you're really good at project managing. You're really good at this, this and that. Maybe you should start your own consulting business for black businesses that need to get up and start it. You might be really great at business plans and writing this and you can do that and helping people really go from point A to point B with their business, starting from the business plan, LLC to all that that are people going to legal zoom, they can come to you and do that. So it's just about finding that one thing that you love to do and that you just turn it into a business. If you want, that's how you can find your niche because not everybody is creative where they can make something from their hands or, you know, they can do other things. You can just find something that you love. And the last question that I have for you is in regards to family, how do you separate business from pleasure? You have to be upfront. It's all about saying what is the truth upfront. Mm-hmm. I know family, you know, we go to family to help out and do certain things, but you have to say, hey, you're coming to work for me and I'll tell you, I'm going to pay you X, Y, Z an hour. And you're going to work these hours. Once you're on the clock, it's no more father, daughter. There's no more cousin, cousin, it's no more mom, son, it's manager, employee, or whatever you are in the the totem pole. Because once you cross the line and make it lax, even when it comes into regular jobs, you get real close with your supervisor and then they have to reprimand you, Mm -hmm. look at them crazy, like, whoa, wait a minute, we was just out to eat last night. (laughs) (laughs) I know you ain't doing this to me, not me. You know, Mm -hmm. they have to do their job. So some people can't handle that. And you have to know because you know your family, you know who can handle it, who can't handle it. So, Mm -hmm. and and sometimes you have to say to to keep our relationship intact, you can't work from That's that's great advice. Yep. Those healthy boundaries, man. You got to learn how to put them up front. And this tough love will get you further than soft love. (laughs) So that's amazing, Malcolm. I appreciate those tips for our listeners. And do you have any upcoming projects or events that people should keep a lookout for? And how can they get in touch with you? They can go to xfactor.com and going to be doing a pop-up. Oh, nice. Where? Um, That's where I'm working on now. So the pop-up, I'm going to put it on my website. I'm going to promote it on the Facebook so you can follow me on Facebook on X Factor Barbecue, or you can go to the website, but we will broadcast and do the pop-up. It will be reservation only. The pop-up due to you know COVID and whatnot. We want to make sure we know how many numbers be there and be able to set the tables up and spread it off. But full menu, you can uh, order and basically it'll be set up just like the restaurant will be, and you can come in and taste, and we'll have cards that you can give your opinion on the food and the service and things like that also. That's incredible. 
well, I know it's going to be successful and you just get ready for customers flying in all over the country and eventually the world to get some of this barbecue. We're about to get into our rapid fire questions, Malcolm. There are five questions, five seconds or less. Are you ready? Yes. Amazing. Okay. Question number one, one word to describe your twenties into thirties. Roller coaster. Which book should every young adult read? Seven healthy habits to effective teen or effective. It's seven healthy habits, basically. What is one piece of valuable advice that you received from your mom, dad, or mentor? Never give up. What does success mean to you? Mm, happiness. And the final question that everyone waits for at the end of the podcast, what is the current flavor of your struggle with having a black owned business? Mango habanero. Why? Weak to have your own business, but it's spicy when it gets slapped in the face and doors get slammed on you, but you gotta keep pushing. <laughs> I love that. That's a great answer. Thank you so much, Malcolm. You have been a pleasure, and I'm so grateful that you were able to come on. Thank you to the listeners for listening. Please go and leave a comment, share, subscribe, anything you can do to support. I want to continue to encourage you to embrace these problems, find solutions, and take action for real this time until we meet again, Struggleberries. Thank you, Malcolm Tiller. Bye. All right. Thank you.